You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. All right. Welcome, everyone. Great to be together, isn't it, in the house of God? How many of you enjoy technology? All right. We're on a 50-50 split. Uh, I, I personally really love technology. I love what it offers. I love the feel of it. I love the intrigue of trying to figure out something new. Um, all of those things I, I find quite exhilarating. My mom, on the other hand, is on the other side of the spectrum and thinks it's all slightly from the devil. Um, and some of you might relate with that. My mom would much rather receive a phone call from me than an email from me or a text from me. She doesn't really want to read what I have to say. She wants to hear my voice. How many of you are of that kind of feeling? Yeah, okay. So again, a 50-50 split. Um, there, there's sometimes it's great just to be able to send a message by text, isn't it? I think text is a great kind of invention to send a message that can be quite quick and don't have to involve 10 minutes of a phone call. But anyways, we live in a real instantaneous world, don't we? Uh, we, we have emails, we have computers, we have airplanes, we have microwaves. I've shared in the past, I think, my love of the microwave. Um, I think that's God's gift to this creation. Um, I think it's part of the blessing of knowing the Lord is a microwave. Anyways, um, cars, as I mentioned, text messaging. The, the world in many ways has this instant thing going on. If we go back only 50, 60 years, things didn't quite move at the speed it moves today. And some of you would attest to that. There's, there's a kind of a, a, a speeding up of, of communication especially. But all things, there, there seems to be, there seems to be this efficiency that's kind of perpetuating forward. And I think waiting, the, the thought of waiting is actually a negative context in most parts of society. We, we don't like waiting for anything. And that's why, you know, I think going back to when I was a kid, even um, if, if I wanted to buy something, I had to save up my money. Do you remember those days when you had to save your money? <laughs> and you didn't just get a credit card and buy it and then pay for the next rest of your life to pay for that thing off. Um, there was a day that we used to have when you actually, you, you, you put your money aside every week or every time you got paid and you saved for things because just getting credit wasn't so sex, as accessible. Um, the things also in, in relationships, I, I remember, well, I shouldn't say I remember because it wasn't so much even in my day, but there's the concept of even waiting to have sex before marriage seems like a concept from a completely different world. I know some cultures in some parts of the world, it's still a valued thing, but waiting until you get married is something that seems almost, a, it seems like a negative concept. Why don't you try out the car before you buy it, right? There's this whole thought of, we, we don't want to wait for anything. And yet somehow when we look at the Spirit of God and we look at what God has for us, there's this, the immediate service of His Spirit isn't how God really operates. And this month we've been looking at the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit moves and, and looking at the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and being in step with the Spirit. And there's this challenge as, as we kind of in some ways come to a close on this, this series in particular that God doesn't work at our time scale. And even in working with and, and understanding the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not a light switch that you can turn on and turn off at the, the flick of a switch. We don't just invite the Holy Spirit and switch off the Spirit and, and just expect Him to be where we want Him to be when we want Him. 
But the Holy Spirit is a person. Is, he, he, he needs to be invited. And, and there's times that we need to wait for Him. In fact, there's a discipline that we see in Scripture that is, is throughout, really, we see it throughout Scripture of God in particular. We see Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalm 130, verses 5 and 6, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, um, and in His word I put my hope. My hope waits, sorry, my soul waits for the Lord, more than the watchman waits for the morning, more than a watchman waits for the morning. And then Isaiah uh, 30, verse 18, Blessed are all who wait for Him. There's this whole sense that we see even in those few passages, and there's more in Scripture than that, of just this call to wait. What does it mean to wait? I think in our prayer times in this last little while, on our Tuesday nights, there's been a, a, a resounding theme that's been coming through. This, this need as a church to just learn how to wait upon Him. Even in our Sunday services, what does it mean that we just wait upon the Holy Spirit? That we just wait for Him? The early, the early uh, uh, disciples, when we read in, in Acts chapter 1, we know the passage well. We've looked at it even these last weeks. Jesus was about to ascend into heaven and he says, Don't leave, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then if we look in Acts 1 verses 8 to 14, we see, we read this last week, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then he goes on to say, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him before their sight, from their sight. They were, were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way he, you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Here we have this command that Jesus told the disciples that they were to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. Why didn't the Holy Spirit just come immediately? Why do you think there was even a process of having to wait? Don't you find that strange? Do you think God, there was somehow a, a travel distance that, that the Holy Spirit had to get there somehow? Do you think when Jesus ascended to heaven, he would journeying through space for 10 days before he could send the message for the Holy Spirit to come? Does it seem strange that God could not work instantly when Jesus said, I'll go, but I'll send the Spirit? Do you think there was a time lag that the Spirit of God, who's always everywhere, had to take time to show up? To reveal himself. You see, there was something that the, the disciples, um, they, they, they had to, to wait. And it was a difficult command. And I think 2,000 years ago, 
he still calls us to wait on his, wait for the Spirit. Although the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh, and our context is different, we're not waiting for the Holy Spirit to, to show up. The Holy Spirit is here. But there's still this sense of waiting upon Him. I've been reading about past revivals as of recent, and, and, and looking at this fact of before every revival, there's always been a season of really waiting and pressing into the Holy Spirit. It's as if one prayer, one moment, one Tuesday night kind of evening isn't enough. But it was this season of waiting upon God to move. And it's in this time of just pressing in and week after week just coming together and saying, God, we want to see your presence. We want to experience more of you. Somewhere along the line, God begins to move. I've just recently read of just the Azusa Street Revival. And these guys, just the simple people, just meeting together in someone's house, praying, asking God to come. And then God's starting to come and move and that starting to move in the house, the house of a person. And then it going to this, the, the, the mission on Azusa Street and God just starting to come in power as they just simply met and waited upon the Lord. The disciples did exactly what Jesus has commanded. They, they stayed. They didn't go off. And I find in Christian life, it's much harder to stop than it is to go. How many have found that? It's much easier in some context to just go, just to keep going, than it is to stop, to pull back and say, okay, God, I'm just going to wait for you right now. I'm just going to wait on you. They didn't know how long they had to wait for. It's interesting, Jesus didn't say it was going to be 10 days. He just said, wait. Right? Day one, day two, day three. Do you think at some point, someone in the crowd said, all right, Peter... John, how long do we think we have to wait for? Day, day five, day six, day seven. They're still waiting. They're still constantly in prayer. They're still waiting. Thank you. Is that for me? Or I could just baptize this whole area, right? <laughs> Thank you, Alan. It was a, this obedience that they had before the Lord's leading. They weren't motivated by fear. What if they didn't go and tell everyone that Jesus had resurrected? There's a sense that they, they just had to obey. They allowed God to work in His timing. And I believe waiting, one of the, the primary purposes of waiting is it helps us align our hearts with God. I, I think the reason that God doesn't just come the moment we ask Him to is that in that sense of waiting and pursuing, we become aligned to His heart. Something changes in us in the waiting process. I think even on our Tuesday nights, and the last two in particular, when we've just been quiet before the Lord, there's been something happened in my heart, not through prayer, but through just waiting and seeking, just trying to listen to it. Something aligns in myself. It's not about my will. It's not about me trying to achieve something. It's not about the meeting trying to look a certain way, but it's about just opening myself to what His voice is, to what He's doing. And surprisingly enough, when we wait upon Him, and even in our times together on a Tuesday night, God shows up, doesn't He? When we give Him space, and I think that's the big challenge we have, is we often don't give Him enough space. And so they waited, but waiting isn't just going to sleep somewhere, but waiting is also a seeking process. It says in verse 14, Jesus said to go wait, but He actually didn't say anything beyond that, did He? But they took waiting, meaning to go and pray. You, you think even Jesus, when he was about to go to 
um, Calvary, about to go to the cross, and he told him just to, to stay there and, and wait and pray and just to be there in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, the, the whole process of waiting there was to pray, was to seek the Lord. Jesus was doing it, but the disciples struggled. But this time they got it right. In the garden they got it wrong, but this time they got it right. They constantly joined together in prayer. And so waiting, when we're talking about waiting for the Spirit of God, we're not talking about just sitting there playing checkers, waiting for God to show up. It isn't like waiting for Christmas, where at one appointed time it's all going to happen and we just wait. I don't think waiting is like that in God's kingdom. G. Campbell Morgan says this, Waiting for God is not laziness. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for a new command that may come. And third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. The whole aspect of waiting upon God, waiting for His Spirit, is not this whole sense of, okay, we're, we're going to wait upon God. Okay, so let's go home and let's do nothing and just hope God shows up someday to do something. We read already in this passage, like the watchman waits for the morning. There's this expectation. Why is the watchman waiting for the morning? It's because there's this expectation he's coming. And so the watchman is watching and waiting, looking. Is the sun coming up yet? When is it happening? There's an expectation. And so waiting is this pursuing, this hunger. Seriously going after God and after what He wants. The challenge for us is, can we wait and pray? Can we, can we pull back and say, actually, before going, I want to just, I want to get your voice. I want to experience your presence. We want, I, I think if, if we did a poll, if we did a survey today, who wants God to move powerfully in this church? I think pretty much everyone would say yes. No one would be opposed to that. But if the next question is, are you willing to come and wait for the Lord? Are we willing to lay down our agendas and just seek Him? I think it would wean the crowd, including maybe myself even. Because actually, there's a cost to be paid for the presence of God. And I don't see anywhere in history where we see God move powerfully where people were not waiting for Him first. God doesn't show up unexpectedly to places that people are not looking for Him. But he, he clearly says, if you seek after, if you knock, if you press in, we'll find, we'll experience. Why? Because he wants to reveal himself. That's his heart. His intention is towards us. He wants to appear, but he's looking for people who are waiting for him. People who are, are hungry to experience him. The spirit begins to move when we purposely seek after him. But then there's this next, this next understanding is when, when Jesus says, go and wait, for the Holy Spirit, don't leave Jerusalem until it happens. They didn't all go to their own houses, did they? What did they do? They, they, they joined together. They said, you know what? This is something we, we're in together. And there's something about us joining together where two or three are in His name. He's there, right? We have this passage of Scripture. There's, there's this power when we come together and say, you know what? Together, we want to see God move. And in fact, again, if you look at revivals throughout history, it never happened with just one person praying alone. It always happened when a cluster of people, and sometimes it wasn't even many people, that just dedicated themselves to seek and wait for God to move. 
But it always happened collectively. There's a secret there. And sometimes I know it's much easier just to pray in our own, pray in our own context. But you know, there's power and there's a, there's a purpose. God wants us to pray together, to constantly join together in prayer. That we would see Him move. Even our Tuesday mornings is a time that as a church we pray together. I encourage you even before our services at 9.30, we're here, we pray before the service starts. We'll wait upon Him. We want to see God move. It's not exclusive to the worship team alone. But anyone can be part of that. They all joined together. They were all together in one place. But the fourth thing that they did is they, they were open. You know, Jesus never told them what they were to experience, what it was going to be like. And you know, I think probably the challenge for us, and, and I know in, in history, I think the Holy Spirit sometimes um, moves in ways that we don't always expect Him to. And it's difficult, I think, to let go of the reins and let God take control because it's, it feels out of control when God's in control. When He starts to move, sometimes it happens in ways that we, we, we can even feel uncomfortable to us, to our old nature. I remember when, um, I don't know, there's varying views of what happened in Toronto as to whether that was of God or of the enemy or whatever. And uh, I just re- I remember being in, a, as I've shared I think in the past, but the, the, there was a night I got filled with the Holy Spirit, but the, the Toronto ministry team, John Arnott and the team were in Holland. And uh, when they were, the service began and he began to preach, there was about two or three thousand people in this auditorium. And uh, it was like chaos going on. People were laughing. There were people just all sorts of stuff, craziness going on. I thought, this is, this is bonkers. Surely, God, this isn't you. And then they pulled the chairs away. And, and people, there was, I remember in particular, there was this lady started dancing. Just dancing. And I, I didn't even remember if there was music going on. But then there was two guys chasing her, trying to stop her from dancing. Because they thought it was inappropriate. And I, I just remember this. She was like twirling and dancing like there was something just happened in her and she couldn't, she couldn't stop herself from dancing. And it was a, almost a comical sight seeing two men trying to hold her down and stop her from doing that because they felt it was out of control. And then people started to be slain in the spirit. People just started to, God just moved power. And I was one of them, right? I went from a spectator to a participant pretty quick when God came and just moved powerfully in my life. Now whether or not all that happened was of God, I don't know. But all I know is that when God shows up, sometimes things happen that aren't in our control. When the day of Pentecost came and they were all together in one accord and God came in power, it didn't look like probably what they expected it to look like. No one told, Jesus never, what a naughty guy. Jesus never told them that they would speak in other languages. Right? He said the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth. The Holy Spirit would give them power. The Holy Spirit would, would uh, be their counselor. But He never said they would speak in other languages. He never said that they would experience a wind or the tongues of fire would rest on their heads when it all happened. He never said that. Surprise! When God shows up, we, we sometimes can't fit it in our box. 
And that's the challenge I have in, in pursuing God. And, and I even think of our Tuesday nights when we're pursuing Him. I, the challenge I have is I have a box as to what I'm expecting God to do. And it's really, really hard for me to say, God, I don't want my box. I, I want you. And whatever that looks like, I want to be comfortable with that. It's so easy to try to keep what we feel comfortable with in church because this is our tradition. But the Holy Spirit seems to, has a way to break through tradition to do things that we don't always know or don't even, can't even equate with. And sometimes it can be misunderstood. Tongues is one of those great ones that's misunderstood. And I know there's churches, you know, across the board that don't, don't necessarily believe that's a gift from the Lord or they think it's all, met, it's all made up. You know, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit moves, it, it comes. I remember Hazel, many of you know Hazel from, um, from Brighton. And she shared, she had been asked, or she'd been prayed for the Holy Spirit to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, she'd been seeking after it, she'd been prayed for, nothing happened in the service that, that, that she was prayed for in. And uh, she was on the bus, of all places, Holy Spirit. She was on the bus, going home, I think, from work, and she could just start to feel it coming. And she hit the buzzer to get off the bus because she's like, I, once it hits my tongue, I'm not going to be able to stop whatever's coming up. She could feel it welling up from the inside out. And she hit, got off the bus and it just, the tongues, everything just started coming out. She, just, she couldn't stop. The Holy Spirit is the winds that we can't control. And He looks for people who are open and willing to say, you know what, God, whatever that looks like, I want and it leads us to the fifth aspect here that is really not a point for us, but really an aspect to understand is that God always responds when we wait for Him. The Holy Spirit was poured out in power on the day of Pentecost, and today God still responds for those who wait for Him and wait on Him. And in my experience, it's always interesting, I think, when you even do a series on the Holy Spirit, it seems like God, the, the Spirit manifests more. The Holy Spirit seems to move more in our midst. I, I firmly believe that we need God's Spirit to move in our church and in this community. And I, again, I don't think anyone would challenge that. But again, coming back to this understanding, I don't believe it just happens. But I believe it's something that we, we need to seek after, that we need to wait for. Wait for Him. I know that an encounter with His Spirit can change everything. But the challenge we have and the question I have for you is, are you willing to wait for Him? Are you willing to wait for the Holy Spirit in your life? And so in a very practical aspect, what does this look like in everyday life? And first of all, I think in our joining together to pray, I think there's a, there's a place for us just to wait for the Spirit of God. There's a place for us to be quiet and just to wait for Him. We don't always have to do all the talking And to be quiet before the Lord. And I think even the disciples, it says they met constantly in prayer, but prayer can take all different forms. Prayer can also just be there in a place of waiting expectantly, but listening. You can be in a prayerful disposition, but not speaking anything. But you're connected. You're waiting. You're listening. God, I'm here for you. I'm just, I'm waiting. And that's something that I believe is important that when we pray together as a community, as a, as a church body, that we, we take that time just to, to pray, to listen to His voice. 
But then it's also, also on your own, it's, it's taking time. One of the things I shared with the, the leadership team and I felt a, a need for is taking one day a, a month that would be kind of a, a normal, one of my normal work days and, and just taking that, that day is a day to, to wait upon God. Not to be in the office, but just to take a day that's kind of just a day to, to seek His presence. Because as much as we can come up with clever ideas and have all sorts of ideas for how the church should go forward, unless the Spirit of God is there, unless He's moving, it's all really of no value, at least in my mind. I, I, I long even in my own life that there would be something more of His Spirit, more of His power, more of His presence than what I've experienced thus far. I don't look at the past experiences, even the time that I had in that service in, uh, in, in Holland to be the benchmark of the, the best. I, I believe God has more. Yet I, I also understand that I can't just go on with the show, go on, go on things as normal and expect something different to happen if I haven't changed the ingredients in my own life. And I think it's foolish for us to think that way that some Sunday, some day, something different is going to happen when we haven't done anything different in the meantime. There's something powerful about us changing maybe the, the, the thought process. Saying, actually, maybe I need to take time. Take some time in my own life. And maybe, I know we're all busy in busy life. And you know, it's, you would think even in ministry that it'd be easier to find more time to pray than for everyone else. But you know, I found it to be almost the opposite. I find I have to chisel time out to pray more than I probably did when I was just working a secular job. Because the demands and the, the pressures and all that's going on and the things that are on my own head, just it's so easy just to get engaged really, really quick in the day. And it's a challenge to say, do you know what, God, I need to wait upon you. I need to just, I need to take time to wait upon your spirit. Can we be open as a church for whatever He has for us? And in many ways, this last month, we've looked at all the various aspects of how the Holy Spirit moves. But I come to the end of the series with this question of, can we wait for it now? Can we press into that? The Holy Spirit isn't a series that we just now move on with the show, we'll do something else now, we'll, next month we'll talk about something different, and we forget about all this. But can us lead us into a place of encounter, where we see something of God that we've never seen before? I think for those of you who walked with the Lord a long time, wouldn't it be great to experience something new of Him? It's not like what you saw back in the 50s or the 40s or whenever, but something totally life-changing today. I believe the Holy Spirit is able. I believe the Holy Spirit not only is able, but desires to move in our, in our, in our lives, in our circumstance, in the church. And He's really looking for people that would say, you know what, we're going to get serious about waiting for Him. Serious about pressing in. I don't know what that exactly looks like in the coming days. And I know even Chris and Julie and I, we were doing a prayer walk this past week in Brighton and just praying about what's going on there. And, uh, you know, it was mentioned just this thought of, of maybe 
doing a 24-hour prayer night, just where we just spend time seeking God. And, you know, I, I don't know if those are the things that resonate in your heart. Where we say, you know what, we're going to just take time and I, we're going to just keep pushing heaven's door to see God come in, in, in a breakthrough way. I don't necessarily just want to see a blessing upon what we're doing. I want to see God come in power upon what we're doing. And there's a significant difference to that. I don't just want to know that God's with us. I, I want to know that He's moving in ways that we could never have done. And I know we're moving into the Christmas season, and so in some ways it's a bit challenging to think of doing that. But I, I, there's, as I'm looking at the new year, I'm just as I'm thinking through what that looks like as we start into January, I, I am praying right now of, of this, dare I say the word strategy, but God, what is your heart? Do, do we need to become much more intentional about our prayer as a church, about us waiting upon Him, about just seeking after Him? Because I, I believe that even in this 2015, that God wants to do something. But I know it doesn't just happen. No matter how much I want it, I know it won't happen unless I change myself, change my, the process. Is this resonating in your hearts at all? I hope that as a church we would be along for that journey. But I know that even as we've seen in, in the past, even if there's a few of you that said, you know what, I, I'm, sign me up. I, I really want it. I want to see God move. You know, I believe even if a few of us in the church take that step. I, I believe God will move powerfully. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.